Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. So, the true gift of Christmas, uh, my alternate title, I didn't get a chance to do the PowerPoint, but is the geography of Christmas. Um, and when it comes to geography, we are spoiled. Um, just today, actually, I was, uh, I was visiting with a patient, and he was telling me about his hometown. And I just opened up my phone, and I Googled the hometown, and I looked at it. It was this tiny town in North Dakota. And I, uh, I went ahead and just asked him about some of the, you know, there's like five streets in the town. So I went ahead and asked him about some of the streets. And he, all these memories came flooding back. It was really a cool experience. And, um, that's something that I definitely have learned to do over the years is cheat when it comes to directions using GPS and Google Maps. I don't have the best sense of direction. My wife reminds me of that a lot. And uh, over the years, I've gotten directions from a lot of people. And two people that I always think of when I think of giving directions are I think of my dad and I think of my old pastor when I, uh, at the, when I worked at a church in Africa because they would always... Uh, you know, pull out these huge maps to show me wherever I was going. My dad always had the Thomas Brothers map sitting by the phone, and he would pull it out and flip through the pages. Uh, my pastor in Africa would actually, he just collected all these crazy maps of different regions in Africa, so he would just pull out these maps and be like, this is where you're going, here's a better angle, and just kind of go through it with me. And uh, whether you're using a GPS system or looking it up on a map, the first thing you have to know is what your destination is, where you're going. And uh, in these first four verses of Philippians chapter 2, Paul sets the destination for the church and for us, unity and humility. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others as greater than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Unity and humility. And once you set your destination, that's when you pull out the map. And that's what verse 5 does exactly. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. The way the path, the map, is Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. 
He is the path to life in heaven. And in John 10.10, he says, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. He is the path to life on earth. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, is the map to a humble life together. At Christmas time, we celebrate the incarnation, Christ the true God, being born as a child among mankind. The true gift of Christmas is this geographical feature of the incarnational phenomenon that is a path laid out before us to walk down. The path of discipleship is to embody the Christmas story of incarnation. Philippians, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 7, uh, we meet a culture not unlike our own. The Philippians lived in an ostentatious, uh, me-first, self-glorifying culture. They would just become obsessed with lists of honors that they had achieved as kind of their ticket into immortality. And when Paul, uh, what he shows us in these verses about humility is that humility was the central characteristic of Christ's life on earth from start to finish. His poetic humility Christology begins thus, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. This stands in clear opposition to the story of Adam and Eve, who were tempted to be like God. Uh, it's a commentary on our internal struggle to control and overturn God in our hearts. It's a deliberate cor correction that pushes us into the humility of Christ and demands a true understanding of ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior. We can't be God. We need God. And he has provided richly for us in this way through what we celebrate at Christmas time. And he continues, the, Paul continues this descent of Christ from humility into humiliation when he says, Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men, found in the appearance of man. Not only does Christ descend to our level, but he makes himself lowly. He ministers to the sick and poor. He associates with the corrupt and the broken. He calls the ordinary and casts aside to follow this example of inconvenient love. He washes the feet of anyone who is willing. When we consider this baby in the manger, this is our God, the humble servant. And Christ continued in pure obedience, uh, this servant. And Paul proclaims, he says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And the obedience to God is the true sign of this humility. It's an important correlation to make between Christ in the manger and Christ on the cross. And to remember this, I'm honestly just drawn back to the poetry of Scripture Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6 says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried. And yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. 
He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. As simply as Christ has already called, as simply as Paul has already called us in Philippians 2.3, Christ put others as more significant than himself. And this descent down the road to true humility pivots at the cross. The very idea of the cross is unthinkable for anyone. I mean, it's a terrifying thing, let alone for Christ, who was God. But he paid the highest cost for us as our servant. He came into this world as a baby to save us. And the results of this beautiful attitude of humility are this exaltation, this glory. The way to ultimate glory is ultimate sacrifice, humility, and service. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ is restored to his power and authority, exalted and glorified. His majesty and authority includes all of creation everywhere. Every person is touched by this baby in the manger, this, this powerful servant. And this is our roadmap to humility. Humility is not about burnout or self-loathing. Uh, when it says Christ emptied himself, he actually added to himself this status as servant. The burden of helping those in need. He never forgot who he was. He never lost sight of God's kingdom and God's plan for his life. He knew the path he had to walk, and he walked it with one eye towards his fellow travelers. Paul encourages us with these words that the hope of Christmas lies in the future eternal, with Christ as our Lord, sharing in his glory, living out the promise here and now, but also today, acknowledging his presence in others and humbly serving. What this passage addresses is it's an undercurrent in our culture and in our churches that emphasizes kind of victory and achievements, uh, kind of like a mountaintops only faith. And uh, I am reminded of a Puritan prayer that I want to just share with you guys. It's called the Valley of Vision. Uh, please allow your hearts to pray with me as I read it. Uh, this is the Valley of Vision. It says, O Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, you have brought me to the valley of vision, where I live in the depths, but see you in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold your glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up. To be low is to be high. The broken heart is the healed heart. The contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit. The repenting soul is the victorious soul, and that to have nothing is to possess all. To bear the cross is to wear the crown, and to give is to receive that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from the deepest wells. The deeper the well, the brighter the stars shine. Let me find your light in my darkness, your life in my death, your joy in my sorrow, your grace in my sin, 
your riches in my poverty, your glory in my valley. Amen. And it's true. When we stand with Christ in humility, we are people of the valleys. The true gift of Christmas is his reorientation of our life and value and pursuit of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us in every valley and the far fringes of society on the shores of Babylon. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood so that every knee would bow and confess to his glory. And uh, one more thing, uh, just a quote that came to mind, and I found this in my notes on Pastor Jeff's sermons, so I don't know if he said it or just something like it, but uh, this is Pastor Jeff. Justice is creating beauty in the fringes, the upside-downness of God's righteousness in the midst of human unfairness. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>